We'll now have our Bible reading. The reading this morning is from John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever found yourself over this past year sitting down to watch an episode of your favourite television drama and feeling disorientated because the scriptwriters have begun the episode by taking you to a scene towards the end of that particular storyline? Then for most of the rest of the episode we're taken on a journey of how that starting scene was reached before completing the climax to the storyline. I'm sure we all have. After all, we keep being told that there's been this huge surge in television viewing over these past 12 months, whether it be from trying out new platforms to binging on box sets. To understand everything which is happening in today's biblical narrative, we should imagine the starting scene of this talk on the walk along the shore as if we're joining the storyline towards the end. Then by going back and following the storyline through, we can begin to identify the clues that John, our scriptwriter, has introduced to understand the layers of significance and meaning to the scene which is unfolding. You see, once we fully understand the storyline, we begin to grasp how life-changing this question that Jesus asked Peter was to him. In the words of probably 
the greatest biblical scholar alive today, Tom Wright, the scene before us with Jesus and Peter is one of the most spectacular interchanges in the whole of the Bible, perhaps in all literature. In case you've forgotten or you're joining us for the first time, we're in week three of four, exploring some of the life-changing questions that Jesus asked people. These were all questions that when Jesus asked them, they were revelatory, they were life-changing to those concerned. And we're looking at them because so many of us at this time are looking for the secret key. The secret key that we feel will unlock transformation in our lives. You know, as we've lived now with this pandemic for nearly 12 months, I find more and more of us are struggling emotionally and mentally with it. We're frustrated and we're fatigued. We're fed up and fragile. We're living with these twin things of exhaustion and denial, running the duration of a marathon with the intensity of a sprint. But I believe the way that we answer these questions, maybe for you, how you answer this question, Jesus can equally unveil a new chapter and change the trajectory of your life. But first, before we can truly understand the resurrected Jesus' question to Simon Peter on that walk along the shore, we need to understand all the talk that has gone before. Three events are critical. Here's scene one, picture it with me. It takes us back two to three weeks before the events of that walk along the shore to the night before Jesus died. Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem, somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane. And the scene is that Simon Peter is declaring to Jesus how he would follow anywhere, even giving up his life for him. Yet Jesus responds by telling Simon Peter how he will deny three times being one of his followers. There's scene one. But before scene one, if you like, before the ink has had the opportunity to dry, we enter the second scene, that same evening. It's maybe a matter of maybe minutes, maybe one or two hours later, and Jesus has now been arrested, and we find ourselves looking in on the courtyard of the high priest's house. Inside that house, Jesus is being questioned, but outside, in the cold of the night, Peter is warming his hands with the high priest's slaves and police, by the charcoal fire. As we watch on three separate occasions in the cold of the night as he's warming his hands by the burning coals of the charcoal fire, Simon Peter is asked whether he's a follower of Jesus. On each occasion, the man who repeatedly so fiery and boldly declared he'd follow Jesus anywhere timidly wilts and shrinks under the pressure of being in the gaze of that refining fire and denies knowing Jesus. And overcome with distress, we read, he ran and ran. I've sometimes wondered whose betrayal hurt more to Jesus. The dagger to the heart from the kissing lips of Judas Iscariot from 30 pieces of silver or the one of three denials from the cursing lips of Simon Peter. Maybe ponder that thought for another time. Meanwhile, here's scene three. 
We're now, if you like, on the night before that talk on the walk along the shore. And Simon Peter decides that he's going to go fishing. So he tells some of the other disciples and they go along with him. But in the events that follow on this fishing trip, even these scenes are amazingly reminiscent from an earlier fishing trip three years before on the Sea of Galilee that Simon Peter and those same disciples took when they first heard Jesus' call. On both occasions, the disciples decided to go night fishing. And on both occasions, they've caught nothing. On both occasions, Jesus then instructs the disciples to cast their nets one final time. And each time they catch a huge number of fish, so much so that their nets are bulging. And on both occasions, there's this dramatic response from Simon Peter to this huge catch of fish. This time, when Jesus has told them to throw their nets, he's been by the shoreline and they haven't recognized him. But when they catch all the fish, one of the other disciples recognizes that it's Jesus. And so he says to Simon Peter, it's Jesus. And what does Simon Peter do? He jumps into the Sea of Galilee and swims to the shore as fast as he can. When he arrives there, What he then sees before him is another charcoal fire. Another in the Greek word, it's one word, it's anthrakia. The second of only two occurrences in the whole of the New Testament, that word appears. And I've already mentioned the first. As you see, as you maybe smell the fish cooking and the bread warming, you would not be human if your memory didn't take you back to that other charcoal fire. A haunting reminder of where the aroma was far more sour from the reek of a betrayer's lips. Knowing all that's happened previously, I've sometimes also wondered how tasty Peter found breakfast that morning. Waiting for the moment for those words to be said, but not having yet had the opportunity, they're left unsaid. Until, until... We now arrive at the scene of Jesus' life-changing question to Simon Peter in the walk along the shore, having now understood maybe some of the significance of the talk that has gone before. Jesus may only ask Simon Peter one question, but he repeats it three times. Another salutary reminder to that fateful night. And we read it was on the third time of asking. Simon Peter was cut to the heart and sorrow, and grief. Thereby recalling again that fateful night when it was after the third denial, he was overcome with distress and ran. Whatever Simon Peter felt before this talk on the walk on the shore, we can only imagine. From remorse to failure, guilt to liability, shame to being found wanted, we've all been there with Jesus haven't we? Yet in the talk, on the walk, along the shore, through the life-changing question Jesus asked Simon Peter, he rewrote Simon Peter's history and changed his destiny. You might then be surprised by the question Jesus asks Simon Peter. If we'd been Jesus, the question may well have started, why? You might also be surprised by the tone of Jesus' voice. 
If we'd been Jesus, the tone may well have been aggressive and accusing, demanding and dismissive. Yet the question Jesus asks doesn't have, even have a whiff of even disappointment nor disapproval. But it gets to the heart of it. It is simply love. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? In what follows, what's important is the question is asked and answered. And slowly but surely, as they talk on that walk along the shore, Jesus rewrote Simon Peter's history and outlined his destiny. And on each occasion, what follows is a new challenge and commandment. To be a shepherd, to feed and teach, to look after and protect the lambs and the sheep, to follow sacrificially in the Saviour's footsteps. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then be the shepherd and feed my lambs. And less than 40 days later, it's Peter not now running, but standing to declare on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem to the thousands how the resurrected Jesus was the Saviour, Lord and Messiah of the world. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then be the shepherd and tend my sheep. And maybe for the next 30 years, Simon Peter becomes the shepherd leader of the early church. Whether that be proclaiming repeatedly at Solomon's portico to healing the blind, the lame and the sick. Whether it be robustly defending the faith against the Jewish authorities. To pioneering the gospel to the Gentiles. To fled pastoring, fledging churches from Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the earth. And as we listen in on this talk on the walk along the shore, there's one more point we would notice if we could read Greek. If you're aware, there are four Greek words for love. The Greek word that Jesus uses for love, the first two times he asks Simon Peter the question, do you love me, is the word agapeo. It means to love unconditionally, to love dearly. But the word Simon Peter uses for love in response to Jesus' question is the word phileo. It means to love kindly, or to love as a brother or a sister, or as a friend. But on the third occasion, when Jesus asked Simon Peter, does he love him? Jesus swaps the word for love he's been using to the one Simon Peter has been saying. In other words, Jesus asks only for what he knows Simon Peter can give and then accepts it. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, I'll take that. Be the shepherd, feeding my sheep and protecting my lambs. And one day, you'll follow me wherever, no matter what may happen. 
And now maybe 30 years has gone by and Peter's life has never been the same since that day. And now he finds himself facing his own execution. Maybe it's the night before he died. And this time he can't run, but somewhere over the years Peter has found himself not any more loving Jesus in a phileo way, but in an agapeo way. And now with his mission complete, all because of that talk on the walk along the shore. Do you see now how life-changing this question was to Simon Peter? Now, of course, we may say, well, I'm not Simon Peter, it can't be me. And we can give ourselves an excuse to duck the question. But here's what I know. From the experiences of my own life, Jesus wants each of us to go on that walk and have that talk with him along the shore. It's not like we haven't got enough beaches in this island, is it? Here's what I also know. The question Jesus asks as you take that walk and have that talk with him along the shore is always one of love. Do you love me? Are you in love with Jesus? And here's what I know as well. As we take that walk and have that talk with him along the shore, Jesus will ask only for what love he knows we can give. And then he accepts it. But therein begins the journey of transformation in my life and in your life if we'll take that walk and have that talk along the shore with Jesus. Shall we pray together? Let's take a moment, maybe wherever we're, we're watching this, possibly to just reach out to Jesus now. To maybe just open our arms to him. And you might want to join me in saying the words of this prayer together. Lord Jesus, our great shepherd, who still says, do you love me? May we hear your voice, accept your loving invitation, and follow your call. In your name. Amen.